Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM, your home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our community tick. Sean Scanlon makes our community tick in two different ways. He's the Democratic candidate for Comptroller. Don't forget that P, because otherwise you'll be talking municipal, <laughs> not state government. For state Comptroller on Tuesday, November 8th election. And he also runs the airport, New Haven Street, New Haven Airport, which is a time of fast expansion. We're going to talk about both those things in this segment. Sean Scanlon, welcome back to Dateline New Haven. Great to be back. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. we got five days to go. Uh, I feel pretty good and uh, just getting through the home stretch here. So you've had double takeoff. You've had all these new planes <laughs> taken off between last year, and you've tried to take off with a campaign. Do you ever get confused, like, am I thinking about estimated time of arrival when the planes come in from Orlando, and estimated time is supposed to be the Simsbury Democratic <laughs> Town Committee? I have a very good uh, organizational calendar that I have to use to, to keep my life in track. But, and, uh, and which one is it? Like uh, I use a Google Calendar. Um, so do I. But then I also have two Microsoft Outlook calendars, one for being a state rep, one for being at the airport, and then a Google Calendar with all the political events. So three calendars that merge into one. That's so interesting. So when you get notifications, do they beep? Di- I know this is getting in the weeds. Do they beep differently? They don't beep because I'm one of these people who almost never has my phone on sound on. Smart. Uh, so I'm always on silent mode, but I do get the, the beep. And do you have you been able to ferret out the stuff that's junk so the beeps can actually matter? Like, oh my God, Simsbury Democratic Committee is about to bail on you, or Avello's about to get stuck in Georgia. I have very few notifications besides my calendar, so that and phone calls and text messages, pretty much all that's beeping on my phone. And you obviously know where I'm going with this. How does this kind of management of all this kind of data coming from many different streams tie in with the job you're running for, which is state comptroller? State comptroller, which most people don't know, yeah. and which I always have to remind myself every time I do these interviews with you or your opponent oversees payroll is a chief financial officer of Connecticut. Yeah. You oversee payrolls and benefits for 65,000 employees. That means it means the checks get cut. You negotiate the healthcare plans. You're the top fiscal watchdog. You issue monthly budget reports. Is that basically the big, the big uh, view on it. Yeah. You I mean, the, boards of commissions. The, the comptroller has basically uh, got a lot of different functions. There's six main functions of the job, but what keeps happening is that things keep getting added to it because the office is very good at doing a basic function of government, right? So whenever there's a new program, whether it's the CRSA program, which is the first publicly run retirement program, whether it's the premium pay program that uh, we now are doing to give the what we call the hero pay for people who work during COVID, uh, they could have applied for the $1,000 bonus that we could get. Um, all of those kind of come to the comfortable office because the office is very good at paying bills and sort of overseeing those programs. So, so I guess the way hero pay would figure in is the policymakers decided this is something we want to do on the merits of philosophy. So since you cut checks, you're going to have to decide. But then you have to kind of de- do you have to decide if they really qualify as heroes? Yeah. So um, you don't have to decide if they really qualify as heroes. There was sort of a metric that they had to apply for, and there's an issue right now that you know there was more of a demand for it than. We mm. allocated money for it. So, I remember that. They so I'm yeah. actively working on that in my capacity uh, as the finance committee chair. But the the point that I'm making, Paul, is that the office is really good at doing things. And so when the legislature creates a new program or they find a new initiative, they often turn to the comptroller's office to execute that because they have the skill set to do that. There's 250 great employees that work there. And obviously, I think between running one of two major airports in Connecticut and serving as both the finance committee chair and then for four years before that, the insurance committee chair, I I definitely have the skills to get in there on day one and do this job. And I'm really looking forward to doing it. 
Okay, Sean Scanlon, I'm coming out of Stop and Shop. I kind of got to get home and get the dog fed or the kid to Little League. And I run into Sean Scanlon <laughs> saying, I'm running for state comptroller. I don't have a lot of time, Sean. What, what, do you, what do you tell me about why it matters? Like even what this crazy job is and why I should vote for you. Why it matters is because you need somebody there who knows how to get things done. Um, and what I think we need to get done, both sides probably agree with, is we've got to lower costs and make Connecticut more affordable. We have two different visions of how we can actually do that between Democrats and Republicans. Um, but I think that my record in the legislature of working with the governor to cut taxes, to pay down pension debt, to get our finances in a better shape uh, has prepared me to take that role on uh, because that's the thing that I've done in the legislature. And I think knowing the ins and outs of a $46 billion budget, having mm. balanced it and negotiated it, uh, prepares you much better than just simply working in a background with finance, which is great, but not necessarily applicable to this specific function. And what you're function. referring to, to put her position, Mary Fay is the Republican candidate. She's been on the air here. And she, it's kind of similar to the argument in the treasurer's race. She says, look, you don't want a politician this job. You want someone who's actually worked in finance, and she's had those jobs in private industry. And it sounds like you're saying you want someone who knows every line of the budget and knows how the work actually gets done in budgeting for the state, and you've also run an airport. Yeah, because, you know, listen, you're an executive, right? So you have 250 people that work for you, and I think what makes you good or bad at a job like that is whether you can understand the information that the great team that you work with brings to you. Um, I do understand that, right? I have sat there in the room for hours and hours and hours balancing the budget line by line with the governor and with the other side of the aisle. Um, that makes me very adept at knowing exactly when somebody walks to the door and says, hey, there's a problem with this or we found this. I know exactly what they're talking about. I know exactly how the state comptroller is negotiating contracts for 250,000 people when it comes to their health insurance because I've sat there and understood the RFPs and understood exactly what they're doing and can do the job on day one. So this is really interesting to me. One thing I'm still trying to understand as I try to leave Scott and shop and get my kid to little league. Now that's changed the errand. Yeah. Um, you say in, in cutting down the costs of government, how much does the comptroller do with that? Not the cost of government cutting down their costs, Paul. What I'm saying is, for example, let's talk about healthcare. So for three years, I have been the lead sponsor of a bill to create a public option for health insurance in Connecticut. And what that basically means is there's 250,000 people who get their health insurance through the state, the state employees, the state retirees, and all their family members. And don't they also kind of under Mensa, not Mensa, um, MRSA, MRSA, where if you're yeah. a nonprofit, you're not part of government, you get to get in on the plan? Well, no, that's that's what I'm proposing, right? So so using the leverage of those 250,000 people to try to lower costs for everybody else. I'll give you a great example. My mom uh, who is a New Haven resident, owns a small business. She raised me as a single parent. She almost never had health insurance as I was growing up as a kid because as one person, small business, you had no shot of getting a fair deal or a good rate from Aetna or Anthem or whoever. And so when I was growing up, she often never had health insurance. And so why I have proposed this bill is because what I want to do is if you have a small business or a nonprofit with less than 50 employees, you can buy into the state employee plan as an option if you want it. And if you look around and say, hey, this is cheaper than what I'm getting on the private market, that's great. If you can find something cheaper on the private market, that's great too. I just want to give people choices. So that's called public option. That's what you can pursue legislator. How does the comptroller figure into that? Isn't the comptroller come in after we make the decision whether or not to do that, and then you hammer out the details? Well, you, because that you're, you're an advocate for it, right? So you're saying to the legislature, hey, listen, just like Kevin Lembo did for 10 years, he was my partner in trying to pass this uh, in the state legislature, and he said, look, my office knows how to do this. We have a record of results of actually delivering on lower costs. We can offer a cheaper product to people than the private insurance companies can because we're not paying exorbitant salaries to the management of that plan. Um, and then going to the legislature and trying to get them to pass it to give him the authority. To and that's actually, something I had thought about. Now, Secretary of State does this. Treasurer does this. You are considered 
not the same as every citizen off the street when it comes time to trying to get legislation passed. No, but that's another important part where eight years in the legislature has prepared me to get things done because constitutional officers are only as good as they are convincing the legislature to give them more authority to do what they want or to tweak what it is that they already do. I have served at the highest level besides being in leadership as chair of the finance committee, and I know how to get things done in the legislature. Sean Scanlon, Democratic candidate for comp troller. We talked about that last time you were on. We have to bore people with that again. Um, you you have one sentence you use a lot about the four key areas you would address as comptroller: expensive health care, you just did about the yep. public hospital issue, taxes, the state budget, and retirement. I know you carry out the payments on the retirement plan, but in each of those cases, again, if you could help explain to me yeah. how you're not just an implementer, and that matters, an implementer, yeah, but how you're really going to address tax rates, state budget, and retirement as a comptroller? Well, let's talk retirement first, because again, for me, it's all about lowering costs. What can I do to use the leverage of the office to lower costs for everyday rank and file people, not just the state employees that are in my purview as the comptroller? And that's exactly what I think we need to have somebody focused on in this job. So a couple of years ago, the legislature passed this bill called the Connecticut Retirement Security Authority, right? It was being run uh, for several years out of the comptroller's office. Mary Fay actually at one point was the executive director before she was let go of that job and and they had some sort of a falling out there. Um, But now that program has actually been funded fully uh, and it's being rolled out now. Uh, I want to go across the state of Connecticut and let people know, listen, if you don't have a pension or if you don't have a 401k being offered to you by your employer, you can sign up and actually have a fully funded retirement account through um, the state comptroller's office that travels with you throughout your career. So you don't have to worry about, okay, I'm going to leave the new head of an independent. They've got a great package here. Oh, no, what do I do? No, you can keep funding this if you want to. If you go to a place that has it, then you don't have to, but you can pick it back up again. So it's like public option for retirement. A public option for retirement. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then taxes. What does a controller understand that your office has a modest budget, so that affects our taxes a tiny, tiny bit? But what else, how else would you affect taxes? Again, it's using the bully pulpit as a constitutional officer, right? You're one of six statewide elected officials in the state. That's a big deal. You can make news, and you can really uh, have a voice on issues like the budget. First of all, statutorily, every month on the first of the month, the comptroller has to release a letter basically saying what the financial condition of the state is, and they often make recommendations in that letter about what they think they can do. I want to be aggressive about this. I have a lot of experience of working with the legislature and a lot of experience working with tax policy and finance policy and and the the issues that I think are really driving Connecticut. And I'm going to use the power of the office to try to influence those conversations and work with the legislature to get things done. And your opponent, Mayor Faye, has talked about the same thing with that monthly letter, which is important because you have authority and you have voice of authority. She said it's so important to have someone who isn't with the major party. So if it turns out all Democrats, as have been for the last bunch of decades, have the constitutional offices otherwise, is she right that you need someone from an outside party to take an outside look at finances? Would you be able to be independent from people you ran together with? Yeah, I don't think it's having an outside perspective. It's having independence. And I have shown that as a legislator my first term. I voted against the state budget. I was one of 11 Democrats to vote against Dan Malloy's budget. Um, I didn't think that his budget was good. It raised taxes. I thought it was the wrong time to do what he was trying to do. Uh, he had a bad hand, obviously, but I voted against it. I was one of only 11 Democrats to do that. Um, I have gone up against this governor uh, on, on many times and, and tried to push for more uh, when it came to middle class and working class taxes. I agree with him. I love him. I think he's doing a great job, and I'm going to 
you know, clearly Are you saying you don't have, you say, trust me, I've shown that I can disagree with him. Well, I, I think Kevin Lembo in particular was uh, very good at, at doing what the office needs to do, which is you have to call balls and strikes regardless of who's in power. Your next guest, Mr. Stefanowski is sitting out there. Uh, if he's the governor, uh, I would work with him the same as I would with Ned Lamont. Um, and I think that that's an important attribute that you have. You don't need to be from a different party to be an independent figure. And I've proven that. Okay. Sean Scanley is from the Democratic Party. He's the candidate for Comptroller. And we're talking to him on Dateline New Haven at WNHH. You've been co-chair, as you said, of the Legislature's Finance, Revenue, and Bonding Committee. You've, and um, what in that role, you advanced a child tax credit. Yeah. A state version of Rosa Laurel temporarily had passed the federal level where I guess it's, you have to be at a certain income level to get it? Yeah, yeah you have to either be it's an individual. It's tested the way Manchin wanted it. $100,000 for an individual, $200,000 for a couple. So very high limit. So a lot of people qualified. Almost 90% of the families in Connecticut did qualify. That needs it. to be renewed every year, right? It, it was a one-time program, unfortunately, but I have been trying to pass it as a permanent thing for the last two years, and I'll continue to do that. As Does that possible. fit at all, a comptroller? Again, it, it's... Bully pulpit. I think every office is what you make of it. And I spent 10 years working for Chris Murphy, and he tried to do things very differently as a politician. There's one way to be a congressman, and there's a different way to be a congressman. And I think everybody brings different things and different skill sets to office, and I certainly will bring a different approach. Uh, you and Eric, um, who is the candidate for uh, Eric Russell, the Democratic candidate for treasurer, you're both in your early to mid-30s. You're yeah. 35. You'd be the first millennials, if we're not mistaken, Elected to statewide office if you win. Yeah. Does that matter? I think it does. I think um, especially now that people are so disaffected by politics, they're so pissed off by it, they're so frustrated by it, they're just giving up hope about it. Uh, I think they like to see new people. I think they like to see people that look like them. Look, Eric is going to make history. I think he's going to be the first African-American LGBTQ uh, elected official in the state of Connecticut, but also not just in the country. In the country, right? Um, and, and I'd be the youngest person ever elected to the job of Congress. I was thinking that middle question. I think both parties agree with that. They look at Biden, Mitch McConnell, Trump, Nancy Pelosi, James Clyburn, and they say, can we have someone who's not in their 80s running things? Yeah. It's interesting that the two jobs in question are involving kind of sober stewardship of finances in which the opponents are older and saying, in these jobs, you need people who have much longer experiences dealing with money. Yeah. How does that um, youth versus experience issue play out? Here? Well, I have the most to lose or gain from doing a good job because I have two small children, right? I have a two and a half month old and a three year old in my house. And if I continue to uh, just stand by while people from that generation make the mistakes that they got us into this mess in the first place, I have failed my own children, uh, in my personal opinion. So the better job I do as comptroller, uh, the better I think that my kids are going to have to grow up in Connecticut. And they're not going to face some of the same challenges that I faced uh, here as somebody who grew up. We've had Democrats and Republicans make really, really bad financial decisions on behalf of the state for the better part of 60 years. And we're finally getting some of those problems figured out. And I want to continue that work, not just as a politician, but for my kids and your kids. And um, one one thing I've noticed this year, and I'll ask Bob Stefanesk about this too, is I noticed you Democrats running as statewide offices tend to show up together at places. Yeah. Like when the Secretary of State candidate was attacking her opponent, all the council officers just about were there. Yeah. I don't see the Republicans running coordinated the same way. Yeah. And they, they're focusing very much on pocketbook issues, which you guys are now catching up with a little bit. 
And they're saying, you know, this is about this seat. It's not about the National Party. It's not about Trump. It's not about what the what the National Party stands for. Whereas you guys, I think, are making a big play for this is about Democrats. This is about what Democrats stand for and not Republicans. Is that an accurate way of looking at it? Well, first of all, I think we get along together. Uh, we have a good group. Text me, William Tong, Stephanie Thomas, and Eric. We talk almost every day, text on it every day, and we see each other a lot and, and certainly talk to Ned and Susan. And we have a good team. It's a good slate. And we're, we're presenting ourselves as a slate. Uh, which I think is important. Each of us has a different role to play, but each of us is one team focused on Connecticut. Um, Look, inflation is the biggest issue in the country, no doubt about it. It's the biggest thing that I talk to people about. But we have a record of trying to make inflation less bad for people here in Connecticut. We didn't cause inflation. It's a global phenomenon. We're just trying to make it less bad. But listen, um, every other issue is still important. Democracy is still important. Abortion is still important. Guns are still important. Why are the Republicans winning the inflation argument in the country? Because it's not even close. Well, I, I think it's not even close because people are frustrated. And whenever they're frustrated, they take that out on the party that is in power. That happened. It's a cyclical thing, right? Every two years, we change our mind about who we want to see in politics, right? Um, in 2020, was a big referendum on Donald Trump. He lost. Now, two years later, he's still around and people are you know, still uh, at the altar of him and, and working, uh, you know, to advance the cause of, of what he believes in. Um, two years from now, the same thing will happen again. Um, but that's not what matters to me. Um, 80% of people don't even pay attention to politics. They're just focused on their daily life. And what I want to do and what the governor wants to do and what I think we have done is to try to make things better for them in this very, very tough period. Regardless of the dysfunction that's happening in Washington, regardless of the shit show that is American politics, we are trying to lower their costs and make it more affordable. At the end of the day, I think we are positioned to do very well on Tuesday because we have a record of doing that. You, a lot of people also fly on airplanes. Yeah. And now today we marked, you had an event earlier this morning, yeah. where you marked one year of Avello Airlines. All of a sudden, New Haven became a place where you couldn't fly commercially anywhere. Yeah. To where is it now? 12 cities or 14. Something? 14 cities or more on the way. That's been a huge change. Yeah. How many? So what did you do this morning to mark that? Well, today was a big day for us. It was a year since we began service at the airport. Um, you know, when I started at the airport, uh, we had one flight every few days to Philadelphia, 15 employees, uh, you know, mired in debt, mired in red ink, uh, and, and really had no path forward. And over the last three years, I've been really proud that we've turned the airport around. Uh, we have had 600,000 people pass through our doors in the uh-huh. last calendar year. The first year I started, we had 75. Okay. Um, We've created 200 new community jobs, Paul, at the airport, something I am the most proud of to meet people in the hallway and say, hey, Sean, just want to say thank you. You got me my first job um, or I'm now getting a career here because of you. Um, And the most important thing, Paul, is that we now have 14 uh, daily nonstop destinations. So whether you're trying to book a business trip or go on vacation with your family. To see. I have a friend who just went to a, a Briss in Chicago that she wouldn't have gone to because she hopped on the plane. There you go. From, um, are there going to be more cities? Is Briss is to beaches. This is the, the, the plan here at the at the airport. <laughs> so um, the only hard part was Midway. There were some <laughs> tie-ups getting from Midway to Chicago. What, what about Toronto? Other cities like that in the offing? Yeah, you know, listen, it's a tough time for the aviation industry. Gas, uh, you know, the fuel price of, of jet fuel is tough. So I think, um, you know, we probably won't see any new routes announced in the next couple of weeks. But um, I think in oh, the, the next couple of weeks, I wasn't thinking weeks in the first uh, part of next year i think you'll see some really exciting flights That's really interesting. i want to check out toronto the uh anything has not gone well so you're doing expansion of the airport new haven's behind you they voted yeah. for it east haven is not what's that going to mean for the possibility of of expansion if east haven blocks it i wouldn't or say can they block i it? wouldn't say they're not i i think um you know the mayor carfor and i we talk all the time we're trying to work through some issues that we have um doing anything that's worth doing is really hard um, mm-hmm. And I've learned that firsthand in the last couple of years at the airport, and I've certainly learned that in the legislature trying to pass things I care about. Um, 
there's a common mistake that people make to say, oh, there's controversy. It must be bad. Well, sometimes controversy is just because you, what you have to go through to get to the end result doesn't mean that people are against the project, doesn't mean that it's not a good project. It just means that we're trying to work things out, and we are trying to work some things out with the mayor of East Haven. The, um, how's Chi Cafe doing? They're good. You know, uh, you and I, I tried coffee for the yeah. first time. Uh, when we announced the G Cafe, I love their was, bread. I think their bread is absolutely amazing. Their bread is great. Uh, we do the forty-five at my house. It's a it's a big popular, and my son loves the uh, cronut. But um, you know, listen, we just re-upped the contract with them. They're going to be expanding their menu options, okay. expanding their footprint at the if airport. Someone asked me this: you can't bring your own food in, right, or drinks, but you can buy there and bring it on the plane. Yeah, like any other airport, you know, you can't bring you know certain drinks or food through the security line, but you can buy things there, and and that's really really important to us and. You know, it was really important to us to, to have a local provider there uh, versus a, a, a corporate business. All right. I'm going to bring you back to Stop and Shop. It's gone to two levels. We're in the elevator. you got your elevator pitch to make. November 8th is coming. It's Tuesday. I've run into Sean Scanlon. Give me the quick pitch why I should vote for you for Comptroller. You may not know what a Comptroller is or what a Comptroller does, but you should know that Sean Scanlon cares about you and he's going to do whatever he can every single day to lower your costs. Sean Scanlon, thanks for coming back in. Did you fly or did you walk? I walked. <laughs> Good to see you, man. <laughs> Good to hear you on WNHS. We're going to take a little break with the Afro-Semitic Experience Performing. I wish you knew how I feel to be free. And we're going to come back. We're going to have Bob Stefanowski, the Republican governor for candidate. So sit tight and get right.